0: If you were to speak to my children, they would say that there are no songs I can sing, but that's not quite what I mean. Uh, There was one last Sunday, how deep the Father's love for us. I'm fine until we get to the second verse. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I I just can't sing it. It's too raw. It's too painful to think that I have a responsibility in the death of Christ. How, How do we respond to the death of Christ? How does it drive us to prayer? Does it drive us to prayer? Not the glory of God raising him from the dead, but the reality of his death. If you have a Bible, turn, please, to uh, Romans chapter 3. If you have a pew Bible, that's page 1130. And if you need a Bible, the stewards have plenty. Put your hand up and a a steward will bring one to you now. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Let's uh, read these two verses together. One commentator describes these verses as the, most, as the single most important paragraph ever written. No pressure then. There's so much tightly packed in these verses, but I want to pull out just two short points. First, in the death of Jesus, God demonstrates his righteousness. And secondly, in the death of Jesus, God justifies The faithful. First then, in the death of Jesus God demonstrates his righteousness. A little context to the verses that we've just read. The first three chapters of the letter through to chapter 3 verse 20 focus on how all have sinned. Paul unpacks that. He works his way through all of humanity gentiles and jews and his conclusion no one is righteous no one verse 21 is a turning point but now apart from the law the righteousness of god has been made known but now the righteousness of god has been made known and the verses we've just read verses 25 and 26 unpack how god's righteousness has been made known and it's in the death of Christ. Well, hang on, don't we mean that Christ's death has made us righteous? Well, it it does, but that's not Paul's point here. Paul's point is that his death demonstrates God's righteousness. But we know that God is righteous. His work is perfect and all his ways are just. Why does he need to demonstrate it? He needs to demonstrate it because he has left sin go unpunished. Verse 25, in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. It's not just to leave sin unpunished. It's not justice. And if God is perfect, if he's righteous, if he is just, he must punish the sin. He must punish our sin. But what Paul is telling us is that Christ's death demonstrates that God is righteous. We had sinned. That sin deserved punishment. God withheld his punishment. That was not justice. But he presented Jesus as a sacrifice his sacrifice was the punishment he took the punishment for our sins and justice was satisfied his death atoned that is turned away God's wrath made us at one with God God himself gave the sacrifice was the sacrifice suffering the punishment that was due to us So as we think tonight about how we respond to Jesus' death in prayer, what do we think? Well, thank you seems to be so insufficient, but Paul's message is look to the God who does this for us. Look to his righteousness and give him the glory. So first then, in the death of Jesus, God demonstrates his righteousness. And secondly, in the death of Jesus, God justifies the faithful. The death of Jesus is not just God demonstrating his righteousness, it is also God demonstrating that he has justified, made right with him, those who have faith in his son. Verse 26, he did it so as to be just, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God justifies the faithful. And we want to note that it is God who does this. It is an act by him. The ESV translates this verse as, so that he might be just and the justifier. God has acted to make us right with him. This was his plan from before the creation of the world. He didn't need to do it. There was nothing lovable in us that made him do it. Instead, he demonstrated his unsurpassable grace by doing it. Justification is the language of the law court. We ought to be condemned by the just judge, but instead we are pardoned. In fact, it's more than that, isn't it? It's not that we are found guilty And we are let free, but that we are found innocent, blameless. The crime has been punished, yes, but we do not bear the punishment. The punishment that brought peace, brought us peace, was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And that justification is for all those who have faith in Jesus. It's not that we're somehow smarter, that we get it, that we have somehow earned our justification by our faith, but rather that we look exclusively only to Jesus. John Stott, commenting on this verse, puts it like this. Faith is the eye that looks to him, the hand that receives his free gift, the mouth that drinks the living water. And it is a free gift. God doesn't leave us in guilt and shame. He draws us to him. How much he wants us to approach the cross. As we come around the table tonight and share the bread and the wine, that's what we're doing. We're remembering his grace, his drawing of us to him through faith justifying us. He is so kind, so loving that he gave his son. Whatever we have done, he will receive us. Whatever we have done, how can we refuse him? In Jesus' death, God justifies us if we are faithful. So how do we pray in the light of the death of Christ? Let me suggest three short responses First, first let us repent of the sin that necessitated God's judgment on us. Secondly, let us thank God that he is just and righteous. And finally, let us praise him for Jesus, the sacrifice of atonement, bearing his wrath, making us blameless before him justifying us, welcoming us into his family. Another song I can't sing. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul.